And good morning to everyone in Southeast Louisiana. It is play-by-play -play coming to you live here on this Wednesday. Casey Disclair here with Coach Brian Colley. We're about to give you the lay of the land for the next 90 or so minutes. But first, we've got a very special programming alert from our friends at Coastal Broadcasting. Happy birthday, baby. It is a special day here at Coastal Broadcasting. It is Trucks. 22nd birthday. Happy birthday, truck. Listening to the lyrics, I don't know that this is the right song. That's from his wife. Okay, I was about to say, I don't know that we want to get this intimate, but yes. That's from his birthday. wife. That's from Miss Linda. Happy birthday, truck. truck. We hope that he has a wonderful day, and we hope that um, his day is filled with nothing but happiness. Um, we're so thankful to Truck for everything that he has done for us. And, man, just the community. The dude does so much stuff that folks don't even realize that he, he does. Um, so happy birthday, Truck. Hope you have a wonderful day today. We've got a fun show coming your way. Whew, everybody played last night um, on the basketball side. We've got a loaded scoreboard, chalk to the gills, and the games had big playoff implications We'll give you a rundown of everything that happened in this segment. We'll give you a rundown of where everyone sits in the power ratings in the next segment. At noon, we've got Brody Williams to talk about his team's win at Morgan City. At 12.15, we've got Turtle. If we got time after that, we'll get to the mailbag. If not, we'll get to the mailbag tomorrow. But let's dive right into it because we got so many games, it's going to be hard to cover them all in the space of this first segment. Girls basketball scoreboard first. Grand Isle, congratulations to um, Coach Martin and Coach uh, Dufresne. They go on the road and beat Lycée Francais de la Nouvelle-Orléans, 26-24. Buddy Miller uh, schooled me on how to pronounce that French name. Grand Isle gets a two-point road win. Congratulations to them. Big, big win for them. We go to 5A. One of the big blows to South Lafouche last night was East St. John getting a 54-41 to win over Central Lafouche. That one, to me, all but eliminated the Lady Tarpons from postseason, and we'll explain a little bit more in just a second why they sort of agree with us in that thinking they're not going to make the postseason. Big win for East St. John last night getting a win over Central Lafouche. Deskerhan does what Deskerhan's supposed to do. They roll past Terrebonne on the girls' side, 55-25, to no drama. Um, exactly what was expected to happen there. Thibodeau stays hot, further solidifying their spot in the playoffs. 47-35 to 35 win over HL Bourgeois. I know we've talked about it a couple of times here, but, man, they lost their starting point guard to a season-ending elbow dislocation. And after that, they lost a bunch of games in a row. They were struggling. It would have been so easy for Coach Barba and her team to just say, you know what, we just had a little bit too much bad luck this year. Nope, they kept chipping away, chipping away, chipping away. They've won like six or seven games in a row now. They go from being on the bubble to now being comfortably in. Congratulations to the Lady Tigers. And I'll go so far as to say I don't want to see them in round one because they just got done beating a 20-something win Hanville team by double digits. They're the hottest team in our area. Kudos to the Lady Tigers. Another big win yesterday over HL Bourgeois. Remarkable where they came from. I mean, you get that injury. Uh, you go through a little bit growing pains, trying to get people back in the lineup. And uh, kudos, <laughs> Coach Barber, great job. Uh, they found the right formula, and they are producing right now. 
Assumption in 4A gets a three-point, 40-37 home win over Ellender on the girls' basketball side, a game that really doesn't have much postseason implications either way. Lutcher gets a 53-14 win over East Jefferson on the road in a non-district game. South Lafouche defeats Morgan City 47-33. Um, the Lady Tarpons are still sitting at 30 in Division One non-select. Just looking at the math, I don't think there's a path for them to get in. There's not enough schedule points for them to earn. The teams above them, I think, are going to play some winnable games. And Coach Jenkins and her team, I think, kind of are at peace with that. They posted a Facebook message this morning, something along the lines of, congratulations, ladies, on a wonderful season, You know, great work. And look, here's the thing, man. 17 and 13 is nothing to sneeze at. That is a great season. But you're in a brutal classification, and it doesn't look like it's going to be a playoff year. But, man, when you play 30 of them and you win 17 to the 30, that's some good work, good season, but it looks like it's going to be just a hair short of making it to the postseason. Look, I would say regardless of what classification you're in, a 17-13 and 13 record, seven or eight times out of ten, you should be getting the playoffs. It just fell. It didn't fall right for Lady Tarpons uh, this year. And, again, yeah, if they win Division two comfortably in, but it's not. So, uh, But, it, you know, it, it's a shame, and – it goes to show you the power points matter. Who you beat and who you lose to makes a big difference in that 17-13 and 13 record. I think one thing that Coach Jenkins and her team are going to have to evaluate in the offseason, and if they're listening, I think that Darian would agree with this. Next year, if I were South Lafouche, and this is just me, if I were South Lafouche, I would play fewer tournament games and I would play more single games. South Lafouche lost 13 games this year. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven of the 13 games that they lost were in tournaments. They didn't play as well for whatever reason in tournament play. Regular season, non-district games, hey, you're beating E.D. White, you're beating Thibodeau, you're getting big wins, like you're rolling past teams with a bunch of wins, you beat a 15-win Central Catholic team, 21-win E.D. White team. You play Edna Carr, who's really good, lose by just three. I would, If I were Coach Jenkins next year, I would lighten up on the tournament schedule, and I would try to plug in those gaps with more single games because this year the Lady Tarpons, in my opinion, were far better in those games than they were when you had a bunch of them jumped up or jumbled up in a small space. I think that would be a, a scheduling tweak that I would make if I were South Lafouche. Yeah, and I get what you're saying, but it's hard. It, it it is hard because our location, a lot of teams don't want to make the longer travel down to to the tank, and uh, you'd have to go and play on the road. So, uh, tournament game, you on the road. Uh, a regular season game, you might be on the road. Will the team repay you the following year year and come to your gym? Uh, don't know, but also these tournaments, uh, I think coaches are going to have to start looking at where in the old days, I say old days, when you would go to tournaments, kind of a bracket play. Teams got away from that and put you like three different games. Well, you have no control a lot of times. Now, some coaches might call, hey, would you mind playing this team? You know, it's fine. But sometimes they just put you up against these teams. You have no control who you're going to play in these tournaments. The bracket play at least – if you go there and you win a first-round game, you know that second-round game, it's a team that just won that might have some games that they went throughout the season. So that can help you out. But uh, 
Yeah, and look, you go to these tournament games, you happen to get caught with a district team that you got to play in a tournament. It's like the Tarpons with the boys' side. They played in South Terrible, won two games. They played them in a tournament. Yeah, that's and they tough. have two games already scheduled with them. So that's three games where they're not getting much. Yeah. So just for for perspective, two and seven in tournament games, fifteen and six in non-tournament games. I, maybe I would just eliminate one of those. I don't know how to. No, it, it. it's a valid point. Yeah. It is, but it's uh, it, it's tough to do with that schedule. But if she can work it out, that's something they may want to look at. Yeah, for sure. Uh, in the other games around the area last night, you got Vanderbilt who put it on South Terrebonne. They didn't report the score to the LHSA. I'll get you the score. I, I do have that score. Uh, so give me a second. I'll get that one. Vanderbilt does get a decisive win over South Terrebonne. E.D. White stays undefeated in district play. They got a 60-18 to 18 win over Donaldsonville. A real good win for them. Um, Patterson, where's Patterson? They fall to St. James 44-17 to 17 in girls basketball play. So St. James gets a win over Patterson. Homa Christian School was off. Central Catholic canceled their game at West St. John. CCA goes on the road and falls to Highland Baptist 39-32. CCA come into the game hot. Highland Baptist knocks them off. Um, <clears throat> on the girls' side, we're going we're gonna to catch a break in a second and get you to the boys' stuff. Uh, on the girls' side, anything stood out to you last night, man? There wasn't a whole lot of surprises. Pretty much it was chalk, chalk, chalk. The teams that were supposed to win pretty much won last night. Yeah, uh, no surprises. Um I know what Central had beat East St. John the first round game, and I, I don't know if and, East St. John had something going on. I mean, they got blown out by Central Lafouge, they got blown out by HL Bourgeois, and now they're beating everybody. So they they had a, I don't know if it was an injury or whatever it was. They had something that was going on, and, and one maybe little surprise, not surprise assumption beat Eleanor, but only by three. I would agree with that. I would have expected that to be a little bit more separation. Let's catch a break. When we get back, we'll get you the boys' scores, and then we'll kind of take a peek at some of the power rating numbers. But, man, we got some teams that are on the bubble. It's play-by-play. We'll be right back after this here on KLEB. Remember, water safety isn't just for the summer months. Water safety is a year-long commitment to our family and friends as well as our community. A few safety tips to remember. Be mindful of children when there is any water around, whether it be pools, ponds, lakes, bathtubs, or the bayou. Keep all bodies of water secure with fences, gates, and covers when not in use. Drowning does not discriminate. It happens to people of every age and swimming ability. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year from the Riley Johns Blue Boot Foundation. Lady of the Sea Community Pharmacy staff are trained in finding the lowest cost available on your medication. Stop by with your prescriptions or medicine bottles and let one of us review your options with you. With two convenient locations to serve you, we're located in Rouse's Supermarket, Highway 3235 in La Rose, or at Lady of the Sea Medical Clinic in Cutoff. Our staff available Monday through Friday from 8.30 a.m. to 7 p.m. and Saturdays 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. We treat you like family at Lady of the Sea. In school sports, it's easy to see the wins, the moments that make headlines. But there's so much work that goes unseen for any of it to happen. My name is Phil Risen, and I'm the Executive Director of the National Interscholastic Athletic Administrators Association. Throughout the country, athletic administrators dedicate countless hours to making life-changing opportunities possible for student-athletes through sports. Their sacrifice is fueled by the belief that every student can grow and deserves their time to shine. On behalf of the NIAAA, we want to thank every athletic administrator 
for your tireless dedication to providing 7.8 million students across the country a path to a better future. This message presented by the NIAAA, the National Interscholastic Athletic Administrators Association. Looking for a deal? Well, Golden Motors has the deals for you. The hottest SUV on the market is in stock and coming. The 2024-36 MPG Chevy Trax. Come see them at Golden, and you will be amazed at the room and comfort of this unique, eye-appealing, and affordable SUV. Golden Motors. Price is priority. Chevy together. Let's drive. I know that I told you that I uh, the LHSAA did not have the Vanderbilt and South Terrebonne score, but we do. The Vanderbilt girls got a 66-28 to 28 win in that one, staying undefeated in district play. It's play-by-play. We went over the girls' scoreboard from last night. Now we shift gears and we go to the boys. Big old games last night with some big old playoff implications. Grand Isle gets a road win at La Cifrance de la Nouvelle-Orient. You like that, huh? 55-45 to 45 win over. I don't know what the heck I'm saying. But, <laughs> uh, um, they got a 10-point win on the road against uh, that uh, French team. Then we go to 5A. And Central Lafouche falls 60-47 to 47 against East St. John. Was talking to Gage last night. He said, man, uh, we had them. You know, in the third quarter, middle of the third quarter, it's a three, four-point game, and then they just kind of pulled away. Uh, the Trojans, more about this in just a second, the Trojans are dead ass on the bubble. They are a coin flip right now. They're going to have to finish the season strong, and it's going to be against tough competition. But East St. John gets a win over Central Lafouche and stays hot. Terrebonne absolutely positively had to have it last night against Destrehan. At home, they take care of business 80-63. to uh, so the Tigers do what you have to do when you're facing Destrehan, which is get a win by all means necessary. Bourgeois goes on the road and gets a 59-40 to 40 win over Thibodeau, so they get up off the horse after losing to East St. John, get a 19-point win, and keep momentum going in their direction. Tomorrow night, we're at Bourgeois. They're taking on Hanville. Hanville didn't have as much luck last night. They lost to Country Day 69-50. to 50. Um Coach Kaiwet came on yesterday, Coach, and he said, man, we don't want to put too much tread on our starters' tires before Thursday. I think they accomplished that. They got a 19-point win against Thibodeau. Don't know that Hanville could say the same, having a 19-point loss against Country Day. Maybe a little heavier legs for them in the second half that could potentially play into H.L. Bourgeois' hands if it's a close game late. That could be, but you talk about one heck of a game setting up for tomorrow night. I can't wait for that one. It's going to be packed. Uh, there's going to be some big playoff and district championship implications there. And, uh, man, we cannot wait to see how that one shakes out. Ellender gets a win over Assumption in Napoleonville, 46-37. to The Patriots keep the pace and keep their playoff hopes alive. The problem is you don't get a whole lot beating Assumption, but if you would have lost that game, you would have been eliminated. Um, South Lafouche gets a – well, first, Newman gets an 88-40 to win over Lutcher. Newman – I'm trying to think of a way to be politically correct and say this. A lot of guys for Newman should be ineligible. They are pending a court hearing, and a court put a temporary restraining order on the LHSA's ruling. And if I were what in, if I were another school in whatever bracket they're going to be in, I'd be livid right now because you got a team that the LHSA has found 
to not be legit. And you're going to have to probably face them because we're frozen in the court somewhere. They're going to probably win a state championship that they're going to have to forfeit in two or three months. Um, it's a mess. They beat Letcher 88-40 to 40 last night. Yeah, I mean, the LHSA is the governing body of athletics in Louisiana. Correct? Uh, it, yeah, it's last so I heard, yeah. They come down with a ruling, and they're going to say, you know, you broke the 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 rules or whatever, then all the team has to do is go get a lawyer and file suit. And find you a judge in your area. Then you back playing. And, and look, I don't know Autumn Circle. They might be legit. They're not. But, but They're not. <laughs> Just it, ask the people in New Orleans. They're not. Well, we've been hearing that for several years now. Yeah. And, uh, but... It, <laughs> And you're right. They're gonna play the season. After the season, they're gonna go and have to forfeit. Yeah. And that's that's somebody's missing out. It's a shame, man. That, that may be following the rules. It's, it's a shame. South Lafouche gets a 59 to 50 win against Morgan City. It was a typical night in Morgan City. They had two four point plays. They're banking in three pointers. They're playing hard. They're competing on senior night. At the end of the day, Terrence Peacher just said, you know what, we ain't losing this game. He goes for 20-plus, making shots all over the place, had a huge third quarter. Coach Brody and his team get their ninth win of the season. Winning at Morgan City is never an easy chore, and South Lafouche got it done last night. That was a good one for the Tarpons. Yeah, what they had to do at the end, they made some plays. Caden uh, Jarvis with a big defensive play at the end. I think it was like a four-point game or so, stole the ball and kind of made that, that last separation at the end. Uh, Bull Georges did a great job of following his guy in transition, mislayup, and put the ball back in. And um, they, they did enough down the stretch to win the game. And once again, uh, kind of a slow start for the Tarpons. Uh, still trying to find out, you know, what's their identity. And it's um, but they're doing enough to, to to win the game and. You win on the road in district is, is still huge. Yep. Vanderbilt gets a 79-38 to 38 win over South Terrebonne on the boys' side. The Terriers stay hot. No drama there. That's what was supposed to happen. Donaldsonville goes on the road, gets a 65-55 to 55 win against E.D. White. Donaldsonville is really, really good in that local 3A district. E.D. White was coming in hot. I think E.D. White is just kind of where they are. They're going to be 24th, it looks like. They have a big old lead over number 25. Looks like they're going to get in. They had a chance to maybe improve themselves, but Donaldsonville gets the win uh, out in Thibodeau last night. Also, we had Patterson bounce back. Remember, Patterson lost a two-overtime game to E.D. White. They avenge an earlier season loss to St. James with a 63-54 to win against St. James last night, so good on them for making that happen. In 2A, we had Homa Christian School. Man, this one was tough. I didn't, I didn't see this one coming. Cohen gets a 63-45 to win over Homa Christian School in Homa. That was a district game. Cohen gets a big one over Homa Christian. And then in single A, Central Catholic of Morgan City drops a an overtime game to White Castle. They had the lead. Heartbreaking. They had the ball. They had seven, eight seconds left. A kid, instead of just holding on and, and wrapping up and getting fouled, tries to make an entry pass or an outlet pass to one of his guards, gets stolen. White Castle makes a layup at the buzzer, then wins in overtime. Central Catholic's long winning streak comes to an end last night. White Castle's really good. No shame losing to them, but boy, it hurts when you have one won and you just can't hang on. Tough one for Central Catholic last night. Yeah, especially when you have them at home playing against a good team and you, you're right there. You did enough in the game to get the game won and just one little mental uh, mistake 
at the end. But um, you still had overtime, but it, it's tough, man. When you, you have a lead and you lose it like that on the buzzer to come back and to execute an overtime, it's tough for these young men. CCA gets a road win, 65-54 to against Highland Baptist. CCA is having a really good season, and they're just at the bottom of the mountain of what they're going to be next year. They're going to be really, really good. They get a win over Highland Baptist. We'll get Coach Troy Jackson on sometime soon to talk about that. Now, let's get into the numbers. We go to the boys' basketball power rating numbers. Division one non-select Bourgeois holding on to the number eight spot narrowly over Central Baton Rouge last night. They also got Rustin that's nipping at their heels. Bourgeois trying desperately to stay in the top eight. Hanville and East St. John are 13 and 14. They're trying desperately to stay in the top 16 to be at home in the opening round. The bottom, we got a couple of teams that are, I guess, on the bubble, though I think Ter Terrebonne's pretty comfortably in right now, sitting at 18 and 13. They're 24th. Central Lafouche, it's going to be a coin flip. Central Lafouche is at 27 right now, 15 and 9 overall. They have an absolute must win game on Friday, a game I'm going to go and, and, and film uh, against Thibodeau. I plan you, on being there for that one. You absolutely have to win that game because you're closing out with Hanville and Bourgeois. You're going to be underdogs in both of those. They have a three one hundredths of a point lead over 28 North Shore, and they got about a three tenths point lead over 29 Fountain Blue. Central Lafouche absolutely has to beat Thibodeau on Friday. If they don't, they ain't going to get in. And if they could go 2-1 and one down the stretch, I think they will get in. These are like playoff games right now for the Trojans coming home. Yeah, uh, Fountain Blue is trying to catch Central. And you look at Fountain Blue's schedule, they got to play Laurentia, who's 6-11. and 11. So they're not going to get a whole bunch of points from that victory. But then... Their next game was against Kittenwood. Well, guess what? It was 5-15. and 15. They canceled that one. Yeah. So they're going to play their last game on Friday against Pope John Paul, who's 19-9. So uh, I don't think Fountain Blue, if uh, Central can do what they should do, I don't think Fountain Blue is going to jump them. Well, what we, okay, one win. If they if they beat Thibodeau, lose to Bourgeois and Hanville, you'd say it would be a toss-up still in the bubble. If but would we agree that if they win two out of the final three, that they'll be in? Oh yes, yeah, I would I would believe so. Uh, yeah. If they they have to beat Thibodeau first of all, um, which is going to be a tough task. Absolutely. And and you got two other big district games right after that. It, it's going to be close. I just I, I don't know if Fountain Blue can. Uh, it, to get enough points to to jump them, but it's gonna it's gonna be really tight. Central can do themselves a favor and win, absolutely, and don't worry about it. Absolutely. Uh, Division two non-select Lutcher's in there, sitting at twenty. They've got a big cushion there. Ellender's fighting for their playoff lives. They are sitting at number thirty. They're about four tenths of a power point away from twenty-eight. Rain Ellender on Monday is gonna have to beat South Lafouche, bro. That's a that's a playoff game for them. And if I'm Brody Williams, who's coming on in the next segment of the show, I'm telling my guys, hey, let's go knock their ass out. That would be a, a very good morale boost for the Tarpons. That's going to be a playoff game for Ellender. They have to have it on Monday against South Lafouche. They do. If, if they don't win that one, I think their playoffs are, are, are shot. I don't know who they have next. They still got to play Vanderbilt, bro. Like, yeah. Well, it, yeah. Um, Division three non-select Patterson's in there, the number seven seed. Uh, St. James is sitting at 26. They look to be pretty comfortably in. I miss Donaldsonville. They're sitting at 12th. They're going to be in. Division two select Vanderbilt Catholic. Man, I, I hate this for Vanderbilt. 
They are playing district games and not getting a whole lot of points because of that. They've dropped from number three to number five, which, as we told you guys the other day, that means that they would potentially be on the road in the quarterfinals as opposed to being home. Um, Vanderbilt has an interesting schedule coming in. They do have a chance to earn some points, but they still have a game with Assumption coming up that's going to further hurt them. I would love to see them get into that top four, but it's going to be tough for them um, sitting right now at number five. E.D. White is at 24. E.D. White's comfortably at 24. They've got a two-and-a-half PowerPoint lead over the Willow School. So E.D. White, even though they're the last team right now, it looks like they're pretty comfortably in. For Vanderbilt, it's going to just be a matter of trying to hold on and trying to get into that top four, uh, but it's going to be tough with the schedule that they have coming up. To get in the top four, they're going to have to win out, which is not <laughs> – I mean, yeah. When well, you're 22 and three. Yeah, could, <laughs> but what I'm getting at is – Okay, you, you, you should beat your district schools. I mean, if we're going to be honest, Ellender, Assumption, and South Lafouche. But their big game is going to be at St. Martin's. St. Martin's is 21-5. and five. You win that one, you might jump back up where you belong. Yeah, that would be a, a great thing for them. The, we've been locked in on this now for the last two weeks. Homer Christian's number 17 in Division Three Select. If the playoffs started today, and this is the way it's been now for, like I said, almost a month, they would be playing Thomas Jefferson in the opening round. We saw that game in Homa a couple weeks ago. Boy, what a contest that would be. It's looking like, just when you look at the numbers, Homa Christian has a big lead over number 18. Thomas Jefferson has a big lead over number 15. It looks like we're kind of locked in on Jefferson and, and Homa Christian playing in the opening round. Uh, whew, what a contest that would be. Yeah, because that was a heck of a game back in Homa. Uh Man, tough to beat teams twice. Yeah. But gotta do what you gotta heck, do. Yeah. Homer Christian can definitely get the job done. That's a good matchup. Central Catholic is number six in division four, select with a fifteen and seven record. And how about CCA? They have quietly climbed into the top ten. Troy Jackson and his team, they're eighteen and eight. Um, with a very talented four or five guys that are not eligible to play this year. Bro, next year, Central Catholic is going to be a monster. But I mean, not Central Catholic. Covenant Christian is going to be a monster uh, because they've got so many guys that are that are waiting to get eligible. We're going to catch a break here. We're going to get you your, your girls' basketball numbers. We kind of ran out of time. We got Brody Williams at noon, then the turtle after that, and then the back end of the show, I promise you, we'll give you some of these girls' basketball power rating numbers. It's play-by-play, -play, talking to Coach Brody in the next segment on KLEB. It's Ram Truck Month at Southland Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat and Homa. Not only can you get a great deal on a Ram, but you can see their impressive lineup of new commercial trucks and vans. Southland Dodge has the perfect vehicle for your business with Rams, long-lasting new pickups, or their efficient new Ram work vans. Choosing the right one should be easy. Whether you need a truck for work or home life, the Ram will do its job. Southland Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat, 6161 West Park Avenue in Homa. Here for you yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Some people just have a knack for being there when you need them the most. Like your third grade classmate who sticks up for you against that bully. The neighbor who gives you a jump start. And the friend who chases away that flock of geese at your outdoor wedding. Your state farm agent has your back too. Through good times and the not so good. And who's got your agents back? State Farm, the company people have trusted for more than 90 years. We're here to help life go right. Call State Farm agent Ashley Barrios and cut off today at 985-632-0988. 
Absolute Fitness wants to welcome our community to come back and check us out. You'll discover an amazing environment and a friendly and welcoming staff at Absolute Fitness. We have a 12,000 square foot facility with all new top-of-the-line equipment, new saunas, an amazing smoothie bar, personal trainers, and much, much more. Absolute Fitness offers many types of very competitive memberships along with a dual membership with our proud partner, CrossFit Brackish. Absolute Fitness at 17092 West Main Street, Galliano. 3T Oil Change is an efficient quick loop service that offers oil changes for gas and diesel engines, brake tags, tire sales and services, engine and cabin air filters, bulb replacement or wiper blades with the convenience of a drive through No appointment necessary. 3T Oil Change on Main Street and Cutoff. Call 798-7401. Proud supporter of South LaFouche Sports. 3T Oil Change says, Go Tarpons! Welcome back to Play by Play here on this Wednesday. Casey just with Coach Brian Colley. We go to the phone lines for the first time today. And we have South LaFouche Boys basketball coach, Coach Brody Williams, on the line. Coach, good afternoon. How are we doing today? Good. Casey, how you doing? Good. And? And Coach Colley, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing great, Brody. How are you doing this morning? He's He's been waiting for that for a half hour, Brody. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> your, your team goes on the road last night and, and beats Morgan City, which is a, always a tough thing to do. Um, got a big performance from your sophomore point guard and a couple other kids uh, stepped up. That's a character-building win, man. There have been some Tarpon teams that have won 15, 20 games that struggled to win in Morgan City. That your uh, young group was able to pull it out last night. That's a good win for the Tarpons, bro. Yeah, it seemed like they were making some uh, some crazy stuff happen on the offensive end. Um, but I thought we had a good plan in place, and the kids ultimately executed. And it was just the same story, you know. It's just struggling to score at times, especially in the paint, struggling to make layups, and, and some of our outside shots weren't falling. I thought defensively we played for the most part pretty good. Um, but you know, there was some hiccups there. They had some, they had some good ball handlers that can get to the rim, and they were making some shots. But uh, huge third quarter for us. The Terrence Pete came alive. You know, told him to keep his confidence, keep shooting, and he did. And he knocked down some key three point shots. And we had some good rebounding from uh, from from Saint Amon and and uh, Bo Georges and and um, Caden Jarvis. So I think all around the team, it's a good team effort. Win. It's a tough place to win. It's, uh, it's one of those places that can get hostile at times. They got a good student section, so I was proud of our guys to uh, to, to fight through it and, and get the victory. You guys were tied with them at halftime. What was the message at halftime? Because I didn't think you guys played a very good first half. What was the message? Because they seemed to have a spark in the second half. Yeah, you know, I just kind of stayed positive with them and said, "Look, those shots we're taking, they're going to start falling. We just we got to play a little bit better on the defensive end." Make sure, you know, number 14 doesn't get um, open shots and we've got to limit number five on the penetration. We made some adjustments, put different guys on people. Uh, uh, Landon Dara did a pretty good job. He just got in foul trouble on 14. He, um, he you know, fouled the three-point shooter. But he did, a, overall, a pretty good job on number 14. Titan Alamo came in and did a pretty good job on number five. We were trying to not deny those two guys the ball and, 
Um, one thing I think defensively we need to get a little bit better at moving forward is uh, some players taking charges. You know, we, we need to learn how to slide, stay in front, stay square, take a charge, and not try to block shots. That's going to come with more more reps and practice, hopefully, um, for some of the younger guys. And uh, you know, offensively, we just got to make shots inside. We got we got to find a way and free throws. You know, we got to get we, we get the ball inside. That's what we want. You want to get into the free throw line. We got to just make free throws. I think we missed twelve free throws last night. So you know, the game could have been a, a, a you know much more out of reach than it actually was. But um, ultimately, came out the victory, and then we you know happy about our about our effort. Your starters last night were two freshmen, two sophomores, and a senior. And, you know, we were talking uh, off the air after we got off the broadcast. Like, in most years, that would be a JV starting lineup. Now, you got some really talented young players, and they deserve to be where they are. But, man, at times in the game, I know you want to hold them to such a high standard, but I'm sure there are also moments where you're thinking, man, we're just young. Like, we're going to make mistakes. That's just part of being how young we are. Yeah, you know, one thing I learned at the beginning of the year, I was kind of like, you know, take them out a lot if they made a mistake. But one thing I started to kind of do was let them play through some of the mistakes. You know, and different players, you know, you got or, or you know, you got to talk to them differently or maybe let them play through certain kind of mistakes. But, like, for example, at the, in the fourth quarter, I think we were up by, like, 9 or 10. And they weren't, I mean, they weren't playing anything special. They weren't denying or anything. We could have ran offense for two, three minutes. And they were in foul trouble. So if they foul, we shooting free throws. And we were playing way too fast, and they ended up cutting the lead to or cutting the game to like four. Well, then now we kind of in the middle, and we want to try to score, but don't want to try to be too fast. When before we got the ball and, and slowed down a little bit, we would have kept the lead and probably extended the lead, but we let them cut into the lead. So, and then Santamon hit a big three to put us up back by seven, but <clears throat> we should have came down to that, is what I'm trying to say. And that, that's you know, that's a young mistake. You know, we 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 let the pressure, let them dictate what we do. When we should be dictating what uh, we have the lead, we're in control. We should have kept the control. Coach, uh, talk about your zone offense. It seems like at times uh, you kind of struggle going up against a zone for uh, don't know the reason why. But uh, what's happening in that zone offense? Is it just a lack of movement, or are y'all selling too much for the outside shot? I think we do that a lot for the outside shot. I think, look, I think we get it inside uh, to the high and low post. It's just we we struggle scoring inside. We miss some some easier shots inside, or we uh, we fall away from contact instead of maybe drawing fouls. Um, but look, I think we got the ball in good spots at times against the zone. Um, we just got we just got to finish. Um, you know, and, and then it, it helps when you're playing against the zone if you're making outside shots. And we, uh, you know, they weren't falling in the first half, second half, they start, we started to knock them down a little bit. So, um, I think, you know, I think we got a good understanding of how to attack the zone. A lot of the kids we got now, they understand, like, when they, you know, when they're in an even front zone, we go to an odd front offense. When they're in an odd zone, we go to an even front offense. And we want to play the rules and, uh, I think it's just to capitalize on when it, when the defense breaks down, and when, you know, and be quicker, make quicker decisions. Also, making a second, half a second too late, or a pass half a second too late to move the defense a little bit, open up the zone, and get the ball inside. But yeah, I think we do settle a lot for outside shots, especially early, and that's something that we've been trying to 
trying to hit on is make sure we attack inside first to open up the, the outside. Doesn't always happen that way, but that's what we're trying to definitely um, uh, emphasize. Coach, I don't know if you realize this or not, but I didn't realize it until I just saw it myself. This is the first time this season you guys get consecutive wins. It's a little something to build on, man. Uh, get, get, get yourself a little streak going there, brother. Yeah, you know, it, it, it felt good. Like I, you know, I think the team, too, it felt it was like, you know, even if it only, it's only two wins in a row, and but it's just it, it, it's a new feel. You know, we haven't felt that this year. And I think a little bit of confidence building, and I think, uh, you know, it was a gutty, you know, the Etsy win. Uh, at City, a tough environment. The student section was, uh, you know, high class, pretty good. And, uh, you know, they punched us in the mouth a little bit at times. They went up, but we fought back and showed some good uh, some good character, played with good good effort, good energy. And uh, <clears throat> I think that it's just going to be a confidence going forward. And hopefully we can uh, pull off the, the road win against Allender. Tell us about that. I know it's weird circumstances there. Okay, so it's Monday. At Terrebonne High School, JV at three, varsity after. Is there like give us a rundown? I know it's a unique schedule on Monday. What's happening on Monday? Yeah, you said it. You said it just right. So we're going at Terrebonne High School because Alabama doesn't have their gym. Uh, on Monday is originally on Tuesday, but you know it was Mardi Gras day, so we moved it to Monday, and we moved it up early because of parade routes. So we're going to play at three o'clock, JV, and then. Uh, varsity to follow probably around 4.15, 4.30, somewhere in there. Played Ellender a couple times earlier in the season, have not yet gotten the result that you guys have hoped to have. Um, how do you re- reverse that this time and get a win? Yeah, so the first time we played um, back, I forget the exact date, but we, um, you know, we, we, we gave them a lot of transition buckets, and, um, and we let their pressure kind of get to us, and we turned the ball over a lot. So we're going to work a lot at um, press offense and practice, understanding our progression and taking our time. They play a pretty good you know, two-three zone. They trap out of it. They get out of it. They, you know, they aggressive and they do they do a lot of good things out of the two-three zone. So we're just going to make sure that we we work on um, <clears throat> getting to the right spots in zone offense, uh, knowing how to attack the two. Uh, getting the ball, you know, inside to open up the outside, and maybe maybe looking at getting like Coach Kyle mentioned a little more movement in our zone offense to maybe try to um, uh, combat or confuse them a little bit, you know. Um, and then defensively, we just got we got to limit them, get their points in the paint. Yeah, you know, you got to take one away because they can shoot the ball decent, but they also can you know get to the lane, so you, you don't want to get them layups and threes. So we're gonna limit, you know, gotta limit some of their points in the paint and uh keep them in front of us, limit their penetration and, and just not turn the ball. I think we'll be all right. There you go. Thanks so much for the time, coach. Congratulations on the win and we'll see you Monday, buddy. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Casey and Coach Collie. Yeah, you have go. a great day. That's <laughs> Coach Brody Williams <laughs> doing a good job as always. His team did win consecutive games for the first time all season. They do get a gutsy win against Morgan City in a place that's very difficult to play. Uh, now they got a just an awkward game on Monday afternoon against Ellender. Um, that'll be interesting. I don't know how many fans Ellender's going to bring. A lot of those folks will be wanting to go to the parade. and I feel like it hurts Ellender more than it does South Lafouche because it's their parade. It's not a down-the-bayou parade. Um so maybe more of a distraction for them than it is for the Tarpons. But got to take care of business.
I thought the Tarpons played Ellender twice. I was mistaken. I was thinking of last year. Uh, this year, played them once in the overtime game. You were there. I was not. How does South Lafourche reverse that and get on the winning side of it this time? Uh, if you look at Ellender's scores, uh, try and keep the uh, low score and don't let them get out in transition where they shoot layups. And don't let them get in a rhythm because these teams, when uh, – they play fast. They get in a the rhythm. They start knocking down crazy shots and force them to earn every shot that they make. And I think you do that by kind of slowing the game and and knowing when to run. You know, I say it slow down, and it's not uh, he stalls the ball. No, it's playing high school basketball. Slow the ball down at times. Know when to slow it down. Know when to push the ball, and don't allow your opponent to get out and run the ball against you at will. And I, I think what you know, Coach Brody was saying, with, and when I mentioned moving the ball a little more against a zone offense, if uh, a zone defense, if you move the ball, you're going to try and get the defense out of position. And uh, what they're doing now, they're getting the ball to Bull Georges at the top, but the defense is, we're not moving, so they're in position. And it's harder for him to, to go and attack the basket from that foul line area. But if we move the ball around and get him closer to the block and to the rim, I think he can catch the ball. He's big enough, catch it and go up without having to worry about dribbling the basketball. And I think it all starts with just a little more movement on offense and get another pose down on the block to help him out. But a great win last night for the Tarpons, uh, two in a row, give him confidence. And I'm uh, I can make a prediction now. I can call it. I think Tarpons go out and take care of business Monday. Mm, okay. I, I really do. Um, before that, Ellender's got Vanderbilt, which probably should, you know, kick him in the teeth. So maybe they're going to be reeling a little bit there. Uh, okay. I, I like that. That'll be a very fun game Monday. And one question I want to, and it's not with, you know, nothing with coach Brody, just from the past, how confident is he that they will have a JV game on Monday? They're not having a JV game. Come on, man. <laughs> we we discussed it. It is late season. I would be shocked if there was a JV game Monday. And that's just going on. I mean, it is what it is. What well, you heard Andrew say it yesterday. Yeah, this late in the year, they, yeah, they, they, yeah, they scheduled to happen. And hopefully they do. And and you add to the fact that a lot of Ellender's varsity players play JV. That's, a lot of them. That's why I think on Monday morning we're kicking that one down the road. I would. And again, y'all don't listen to me. Listen to Coach Brody. He'll update you on if there is or there isn't. But it ain't my first rodeo. I'd be shocked if there was a JV game on Monday. That's just me. And in the last couple of years, the Islander has been playing more JV late in the year, too. So uh, that's Coach Scott's formula. Get those kids playing two games, and it's been working out for them. Yeah, no doubt. Let's catch a break when we get back. We're going to the Turtle. Man, we got so much to talk about. He's going to want to talk about high school basketball. He's going to want to talk about WWE with The Rock coming back and Vince McMahon doing crazy things. We got to ask him about the Super Bowl. All sorts of stuff to chat with Taylor about. It's play-by-play. We'll be right back after this on KLEB. Welcome to No Wake Outfitters, located in Metairie, just east of Causeway Boulevard. Your one-stop fly shop, kayak, and sportsman outfitters. You can check out our new kayak demos and our new pool and sea casting demonstrations. We have a new selection of functional and comfortable apparel from your favorite brands for the cooler weather. And our dedicated staff is here and ready to provide you with the knowledge to make an informed purchase. Come on in to check out some of our exclusive brands, such as Rugged Road, Turtle Box, Orvis, New Canoe, Old Town, and oh yeah, New Canoe 2022 kayaks are now 20% off. No Wake Outfitters, 1927. Six Airline Drive in Metairie. Water safety tips from Riley Johns Blue Boot Foundation. 
One, always designate a water watcher when children are in and around water. Two, wear your life jacket when on a boat or near open water. Three, remove toys from swimming pools when not in use. Four, empty all blow-up pools and buckets of water when not in use as children can drown in as little as two inches of water. Five, check the water first if a child goes missing. Six, stay off and away from the rock jetties. And number seven, swimming lessons can reduce drownings by 88%. Learn to swim. Your business deserves the highest quality internet connection and phone service. Rev Business offers you the best at a great price. Delivered on an all-fiber network and backed by our local support teams who have been going that extra mile for 85 years. Rev Business wants to show you the power of hosted phone service and Metro E, direct connections between your locations. For a limited time, get three months free. Some restrictions may apply. Visit us at letsrev.biz. Rev Business. Join Talk on the Bayou from 10 to 11.30 a.m. Monday through Friday on the Raging Cajun. We cover local news topics, politics, and entertainment each weekday. And it's all brought to you in part by Lady of the Sea General Hospital, Rev, and Thibodeau Regional Health System. Talk on the Bayou Monday through Friday from 10 to 11.30 a.m. Right here on the Raging Cajun KLEB 1600 a.m. and 102.7 FM. Welcome back to Play by Play. It is a Wednesday and it's just north of 1215, which means that we've got to make a trip out to chat with our broadcast partner and colleague, hey, Mr. Taylor Griffin. What's up? Coach? Before Turtle, is that song saying cuckoo? I don't know what it's or, saying. It, it'd be perfect with the gas. Oh, cuckoo. get out of here. Uh, we go to the phone lines and we got Taylor Griffin on the line. Turtle, good afternoon, buddy. How are we doing today? <laughs> doing just fine, man. How y'all doing, all right? Good, bro. Good. Uh, we were in Morgan City last night, all three of us. Watched the Tarpon ladies take care of business. Watched the Tarpon men take care of business. Uh, anytime you could sweep a pair of games out in St. Mary Parish, that's a good one. The Tarpons did what they had to do last night and got some big wins. Yeah, man. Yeah, they sure did. Uh, Lady Tarps came out. Uh, started out a little slow, but, man, they woke up when they needed to. They they, they cranked it up whenever uh, whenever they needed to, you know, really – assert dominance and uh, just, you know, let everybody know that they're here to win and take care of business. And, and they, they ended up uh, doing what they needed to do and uh, coming away with a dominant win. You know, the uh, the uh, Lady Tarps, you know, they, they did their thing. They, uh, they had some good, uh, as we were talking about last night, some good right place, right time players <clears throat> jumping into the right spots uh, and making things happen, making plays. Uh, and, just about everyone that got in the game contributed uh, very well last night. I was pleased with what I saw from them. And then the men, uh, the boys, they, uh, they they took care of business as well. They uh, they had a bit of a struggle at times. And Market City was, you know, a tough team, uh, especially um, you know one of their, their senior guards, uh, Gagliano. Man, he was uh, he was giving the Tarpons fits. You know, he was the energy that that drives the whole team, drives the crowd. He was really tough to deal with, but. Uh, the team game, and there was a there was a lot better tarpons than tigers on the floor, and they they put it together and handled their business. You know, it's crazy, and you don't realize it until you break down the roster. Last night, they started two freshmen, two sophomores, and a senior. Um, Coach Ron Case said it perfectly to us after the game when we were picking up the radio equipment. 
That's a junior varsity team, right? And I don't mean that in ability, right? Because they are winning varsity games. But just in age, that's a junior varsity team. So the fact now that Taylor, the Tarpon boys are 6-5 and five in their last 11 games with such a young team, it's probably a pretty good sign that there are some pretty bright days ahead, and we're getting close to that pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Oh, yeah, definitely, man, definitely. That's, uh, that's progress. That's, uh, that's growth. That's momentum for next year. That's, that's something positive to look for in the future. Uh, man, we, we watching it unfold right before our eyes right now. These guys are, uh, are growing with their games every time they step out on the floor. And even though, you know, the, the playoffs are out of the picture, they, they still play in, you know, it still matters to them. It still means something. And that, that's, that's good to see. You know, guys are still diving and hustling and doing everything they can, you know, just fighting, scratching and clawing, do, doing whatever's necessary to win the game and, uh, you know, making plays, making big shots. I mean, shoot, Terrence Pete, what he had, like 25 last night? I think he hit like four or five threes. I mean, and look, the perfect timing, the perfect, we either going to kill their momentum or we're going to carry on our momentum. I mean, every every bucket he hit was just so huge for the time that it happened, you know. Uh, and, of course, other Tarpons on the floor had good games, but he's the one that sticks out the most, you know, obviously because of, uh, you know, the magnitude of some of those shots that he hit. But, yeah, the uh, the growth of these young guys, man, they're uh, – they're, uh, I, I'm, I'm looking I'm looking to see them really make some noise next year as far as, uh, you know, competing, competing for a district title. And, you know, they – I don't see why they couldn't slide into the playoffs as well going into next year. Taylor, I'm going to ask you about Nichols in just a second. But first, let's talk about McNeese. They extend Will Wade on a big money contract for a Southland school. Five-year extension, getting $700,000 a year. And on the flip side, it's like, okay, well, where's McNeese getting all this money? But if you read the fine print, if he leaves to go anywhere, they're getting a $1 million check from the school that takes him. So it's almost like, it's a win-win. It's okay. Either you're going to have him leave and you're going to get a check for seven figures, which will help your athletic department, or he stays for the next four or five years and you are going to beat everybody's ass in the Southland. Like This is a win-win for them and very creative. We don't often see deals like this in the league, but good on McNeese, man. They put themselves in a situation where they're going to win either way. Yeah, that's a... Uh... I mean, the only concern I would have, not that I care about McNeese's financials, but uh, if, if Will Wade actually rides it out and stays that whole time, where the hell are they going to get the money from? I don't know. Uh, but, you know, good on them either way. You know, that's a, that's a good, powerful money move. And, I mean, the writing's on the wall. I mean, everyone could see, like, you know, Will Wade's probably not going to stay this whole time. He'll probably go to a major school next year. But, hey, you know, have fun while it lasts because, uh, you know, that's some, that's some special things happening in Lake Charles. And, you know, good, good for them. You know, that's, uh, everybody, everybody gets their time. I don't think McNeese has had that much ex- to be excited about since Joe Dumars was there. So, you know, good for them. <laughs> Look. Um, I was having this conversation with a friend of mine. You and I have been following Nichols basketball really closely since the team kind of turned itself around, starting with Richie Riley, then Austin Clonch, and now Tavon Sadler. Taylor, I got to tell you, and I, I, I'm nervous to say this, but I don't want to jinx anything. To me, this is the team this year that has the best chance to win the Southland Conference Tournament. And the reason why I say that 
is because, look, the great Ty Gordon team, it was all Ty Gordon. If you had a good scout and figured out how to slow him down, the house of cards collapsed. Last year, didn't have enough perimeter shooting. Pierce Spencer was injured. Huffman is a scorer. He's not really a shooter. Teams would play a zone. They would slow them down. This year, there's nobody you could key on. You got Jamal West, Rob Brown, Ireland, Deontay Smith. On any given night, you got four, five, six guys. Michael Gray, who stepped into the lineup, is doing it as well. You got five or six guys that could give you 15 points and could be your leading scorer. There's nothing that you could take away, which to me makes this the most dangerous team in this recent run for the Colonels when they get to Lake Charles. That's, uh, that's an excellent point, man. Hard hard to argue against that one, um, especially. And, man, I'm going to echo towards the end of it. Michael Gray coming on in a huge way recently, man. He he stepped up uh, in a big way. And, and from what I heard, you know, within the inside, you know, they, they've been waiting on this. They've had huge expectations of him from the very beginning. I mean, he came from George Mason. He uh, he's, he's got some good experience. He, he was, you know, he was always expected be great and you know he he would come in every once in a while and do a little here a little there i don't remember if he was injured or not earlier on in the year but like he is a hundred percent all go foot on the gas he has been dominating when he's got the ball in his hands lately and man that's that's awesome because you know like you said on these teams in the past like man if you had just a Deontay Smith, you were good. If you had just a Jamal West, you were good. If you had maybe half of a Michael Gray to complement one of those two guys, then you were like, man, we might win it all this year. Dude, you got four or five guys that are all like the perfect pieces, as you said, and while none of them are like the head above everyone else superstar, Dude, at least three of them could end up being first team all conference. Like they're 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 all so good, especially man when they play together. Like you said, you can't key on any one of them because any given night, one of those guys is twenty piece of you. Two of those guys is in the fifteen to twenty range. It, it, it's uh, it it's such a fun team to watch. Man, they they play together. They play for each other. Somebody goes down, it's a race to go help them up to see who's going to get them up off the floor. You know, they they root for each other from the bench. They root for each other on the floor. One guy hits a three. Three guys are celebrating. You know, it, it's, it's, it's such an awesome team to watch. And as you said, man, this uh, this may be it. Hopefully we're not jinxing it. Hopefully everyone stays healthy. But, man, this – this is that special team we've been waiting for, and it's not just because of one guy. Like, there's six or seven really, really special guys that are going to give you major minutes every night, give you major points every night. It's just it's so hard to stop. This is the most complete team I've seen in a long time, uh, right there in Thibodeau. Who's going to win the Super Bowl, bro? <sighs> Man, I wasn't ready for that one. <laughs> uh, let me uh, go through my notes. Let me check what the script says. This oh, year. <laughs> oh, here, okay. I think, I think the, uh, I think the Chiefs got it, man. And, and look, anyone who's been paying attention, yeah, I, I was wrong. I said they were done a couple weeks ago. I said the ride was over. I, I did not have any faith in them to uh, to get past Baltimore for sure. 
uh, I was I was shocked they made it that far initially, but man, they uh, they found the momentum at the right time. They they found what they needed to find at the right at the right moment. And this is um, I don't know if you saw this online or not, but people who are you know cracking their little jokes about the script after the Chiefs win. Look out uh, the 50-yard line. Expect a uh, Kelsey to Swift proposal in oh. the whole world. Oh. <laughs> oh, boy, wouldn't that be something? My goodness, I didn't even think of that. Wouldn't that be something? Just mark it down. Come you on. You, you heard it here? Maybe second. You heard it here first. <laughs> Man, okay, I didn't even think about that. That would be amazing. I'm rooting for the Chiefs now that you said that. Okay. Uh, let's talk. Let's talk some WWE, man. A lot has happened since we last spoke. We had the Royal Rumble matches. Um, we had an injury to CM Punk, uh, which maybe changed what the outcome of the Royal Rumble match was going to be. But it sure looked like Punk told the official and then told Cody, "Hey, bro, you got to win. I, I'm hurt." And they maybe changed things on the fly. Then you get Cody going on SmackDown and telling Roman he's not fighting him at WrestleMania this year. And then the Rock's music hits and. Everybody's up in arms. The fans are going crazy. They're divided in half. What say you? Let's talk about the last two weeks. It's been a soap opera. What have you made of it all? It has been quite the mess. It between uh, you know CM Punk getting hurt, Seth Rollins getting hurt, um, <clears throat> you know Brock Lesnar's plans being canceled when you know he was all you know everyone expected him to be. Uh, in the Royal Rumble as well, you know, it just uh, all sorts of things causing all sorts of mess. And you know, the Royal Rumble overall—not that you directly asked—but I was I was pretty disappointed in the show as a fan. I, I think it could have been so much better. But uh, all that aside, you know, the articles you, that that I've been reading, the things I've been coming across. Um, <clears throat> You know, a lot of fans were starting to turn on The Rock. A lot of fans were starting to turn on the company and upset, like, man, you're not going to let Cody finish a story. How could you put The Rock here? I can't believe you do this. And now, it, you know, you, you start to read a few more things, and it's like this This was all – they're just – they're all pulling the strings, and, you know, we never saw this coming. This is – The Rock is playing the part in getting people to rally for Cody harder than ever. And he didn't even do anything yet. You know, fine. Let them get mad about me and Roman Reigns. Let them do this. Let them do that. Let them say we want Cody. That's part of the movement. That's part of the plan going into WrestleMania. Now, how they're going to alter the plans and how they're going to let him finish his story, that's to be determined. But it's all part of the bigger, big picture in the background. Rock coming in and shaking things up. It's just making everyone want Cody to finish the story even more, even harder. And that's that was the whole plan all along. So, uh, you know, I'm excited as as a 35-year-old fan to see The Rock. You know, the, the diehards who may be younger or they may just be more supportive of the younger talent, they might have other, other thoughts. But, man, it, it's all about the big picture with them. You never see the long game until it's, until it's right in front of your face. And it's uh, – I think I think that's what it is, and I'm I'm excited about it. Dude, I, I told you this at the Nichols game the other day. We hear so much, oh, bro, Cody's got to finish his story, bro. And, you know, we hear it ad nauseum. Roman Reigns has been your champ for, like, ever. He's got to finish his story. The champion story matters, too. And, man, 
this chapter here where he's going to main event WrestleMania with his real-life cousin who's the biggest star maybe in the world, dude, that's pretty damn impressive too now. His story matters also, doesn't it? That is. That is. That, that's very true. That's very impressive. The guy's been the champ for a thousand plus days i mean you, you got you gotta let him finish you gotta let him keep going you can't you know everyone's forgetting and everyone's so focused on what about cody what about this how could you do this with the rock and no one's you know really taking the time to step back and appreciate like roman reigns is just as much a part of this i mean he's he's the main character for now you know uh he's uh you gotta let him finish like you said yeah you're absolutely right Dude, um, this is some disgusting stuff that I'm uncomfortable even talking about, but Vince McMahon is no longer with WWE. If you read the lawsuits, and again, everybody's innocent until they're proven guilty. Don't know what's going to end up happening. Don't know if it'll go to trial or if they'll settle. There are even some whispers that maybe this could become a criminal investigation. That remains to be seen. It's a little bit of a bummer, man. This is a dude that we all have grown up with. He was one of the biggest villains of our But finding an ideal replacement takes some training. This is like hurting cats. Indeed can help them hire great Oh, what's going on back. here? All right, wait, never mind. We had some feedback. Taylor, are you still with us? Still with you. Not sure what the Indeed commercial was about, but I'm still with you. Yeah, all good. Well, I don't know what happened there. We had, we had a little bit of feedback. But anyway, no, one, one of the biggest villains of our entire childhood was Vince McMahon. He's a guy we all grew up with. And to see this crap come out, dude, this is unbelievably spooky. I hope it's not true. But then again, if it is true, I hope that everybody gets the justice that they deserve. Dude, this is some crazy stuff. If you read between the lines there, this is some disgusting stuff that allegedly happened. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, it's pretty rough. Pretty intense stuff. It's uh, pretty nasty. But, uh, yeah, if... Um if it does, then, you know, I hope it's not true. I hope it's a mess. I hope it's all over-exaggerated and fabricated and, and inaccurate. But, man, it's, uh, it, 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 it's hard to look away. It's hard to, you know, to, to not read into it. And it, as unbelievable as it is, it is sort of believable as well. Uh, it is a bummer for the fans. It is a bummer for the supporters. It's a bummer to think that we may never, ever, ever hear the No Chance in Hell theme song ever again on a TV broadcast or premium live event broadcast. It's, uh, it sucks for all of us who always, you know, loved and respected this guy for everything he did for the business, and it may all, it may all get flushed away and erased and, and, and burned forever. To, uh, you know, to make everyone hopefully forget about his existence, because uh, if, if this if this stuff does end up being true, man, it's uh that's that's pretty bad, pretty inexcusable stuff right there. Uh, is Roman going to beat The Rock at WrestleMania? Uh, probably, probably. Is there is there any chance that The Rock wins the title at WrestleMania? He's a member of the board now. Is there any chance that they do a title switch there? I don't think it's the right move. I mean, me as a Rock fan, I, I, I would I would hope they would. I think it would be cool. But man, he'd have to. Be, I know he's committed to the company as a board member, but he'd have to be really committed as an on-air talent. Like we're gonna have to see him weekly. For a whole year, if he thinks he's just going to come in and win the title, and I mean, just 
just for him to win the title at Mania and bring it to SummerSlam, like that's such a serious commitment. I would hope he'd be in for, but man, I don't, I don't see it happening. As much as I'd love for it to, I don't think it, I don't think it would. So the theory that's being floated on social media is Cody Beach Rollins wins that title, and then they have a big old unification match with Roman at SummerSlam, and he wins that one. Is do you think that's the safe bet of how this is all going to play out? Run that back for me again. That was there was a lot going on. <laughs> no, all good, dude. So on, on the internet right now, they're saying that Cody's going to beat Seth Rollins, win that title. Then at SummerSlam, there will be a big unification match, even though the titles were already supposed to be unified. Everything on the table, all the belts up for grabs, and that he's going to beat Roman at SummerSlam. Do you think that's what's going to end up happening here? That's 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 probably the plan. And, and you know, I, I, I'm okay with that. But the one thing I'm not okay with, the two-title thing is what I've had enough of. You know, I don't know if my theory is correct, but I'm assuming the whole universal title was just born out of a need to keep the part-timers relevant. I mean, Goldberg held it for a while. Brock Lesnar held it for a while. Roman Reigns is holding it. Um, uh, yeah, I know he's more full-time than those last few guys, but, like, realistically, the, I mean, the guy's not in the ring physically competing multiple times a week like a full-time champ should be, like a Seth Rollins would be if he wasn't hurt. So I, I, I would I wish they would just get rid of the two belts, man. It, it's uh, truly unify it one last time. There's no need to keep it for these 45 to 50 year old part timers that come and go. Uh, just just one belt and make the champ compete 300 days a year, and you know be at just about every event. Like that's it's it's time to clean that up. I hear you, brother. Look, we thank you so much for the time, man. Very quickly, give us a score. I know you picked Kansas City. Give us a score for the big game Sunday. 31-14. Ooh, man, going lopsided. Okay, I like that. Thanks so much for the time. Have a great rest of the day. Yep, thanks for having me. And as always, go Tarps, and God bless America. As Taylor Griffin doing an excellent job, as always, he's going lopsided, Chiefs. Okay, I, I He's also going Kelsey to merge as one with Swift at the end of the game. Which uh, we didn't have to go there. That would be a lovely moment. That would be absolutely amazing if that were to happen. Um, you would seriously enjoy that? that would, yeah, absolutely. Uh, that would be incredible. And you think that's on that man's mind? I don't know. Right. That, maybe, maybe it is. Maybe it is. Maybe she proposes to him. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Point taken. Hockey, yes. You, you never know how the yeah. how the way of the world is today. Yeah. Um, but we got a great and very interesting Super Bowl. Because I tell you, I don't have a clue who's going to win, and I think that that's um, what makes it so damn, damn exciting. Tonight, the Pelicans are playing the best team in basketball on ESPN on TV. The New Orleans Pelicans are going to get clobbered by the Clippers tonight at nine o'clock on ESPN. The Clippers are now in first place in the Western Conference. Um, I'm saying all of this facetiously, by the way, because ironically enough, the Pelicans have played very well against the Clippers in the last three, four, five years. But it is a great opportunity for the Pelicans tonight. Uh, you're catching the Clippers in their first game back home after a seven-game road trip on the East Coast. Maybe some heavy legs. Big statement opportunity for the Pels tonight. I'm curious to see how they hold up against a red-hot Clipper team. And that's on the road, correct? In Los Angeles. Yep. Yes, sir. So it be Angeles. late night. Nine o'clock. My, my kind of game. I love it. I love yeah. it. I'm a night <laughs> yeah. out. Perfect. Perfect timing. Uh, so we'll keep our eyes on that. 
Let's catch a break. When we get back, I promised you girls basketball power rating numbers. I'll deliver those, and then we'll talk about some other things happening in the world of sports. It's play-by-play. We'll be right back after this. It's Mardi Gras time, and Joe's Septic Contractors would like to let everyone know that there is still time to call in your orders for portable toilets and hand wash stations. You can order two, three, six, ten, and eighteen stall restroom trailers from everyone at Joe's Septic Contractors. Have a happy and safe Mardi Gras. Call 985-632-5592 or visit joeseptic.com. News alert from Golden Motors. 2.9% APR financing for 72 months on all 2023 and 2024 15 Silverado models for qualifying customers through GM Financial. These great deals are good through March 4th on all 2023 and 2024 1500 Silverado models. Golden Motors Highway 3235 on the back road and cutoff. Chevy, let's drive together. Price is priority. Not compatible with any other incentives. Serving part-time in the Army National Guard has led to a lot of firsts for me. It paid for me to be the first person in my family to go to school. That education got me to the first day at my dream job, which I can still hold while I serve part-time. That job and the home loan benefits I got from the Army National Guard helped me buy my first house. I also know that I will be one of the first to respond if my community ever needs me. Sponsored by the Louisiana Army National Guard. Aired by the Louisiana Association of Broadcasters and this station. The other day, someone said they saw a roach the size of a nutria down around Cutoff. I don't know about that, but nasty pests like roaches, termites, ants, and spiders are running wild up and down the bayou. If you got bug problems, call the local experts at Terminex, and those bayou boys will be there in a jiffy to protect your home or business. So whether you live up the bayou or down the bayou, Terminex is here to get rid of bugs any size. So call those bayou boys. They'll get you, get you Terminex tough. State Bank and Trust Company has provided Cajun banking served just the way you like it for now 70 years. State Bank offers a wide variety of modern conveniences without having to sacrifice that personal touch that we all know and love. So stop by today and get a taste of Cajun banking and be met by a smiling, familiar face who loves our area as much as you do. That State Bank and Trust Company still standing strong after 70 years of loyal service to our community. Discover, this is Daniela. Hi, it's Jennifer Coolidge. I just want to thank you for making me feel so special. I earned cash back on debit for my dinner party groceries. That's great. But with Discover Cashback Debit, we give everyone cash back on everyday purchases. Anything else I can help you with? Do you like asparagus and mushroom sorbet? I've got leftovers. Introducing Discover Cashback Debit, a checking account with cash back. It pays to Discover. Eligibility in terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. So we promised you earlier in the show and then just kind of ran out of time that we would go over the girls' basketball power rating scenarios, and we'll do that now. And then we'll also uh, congratulate a bunch of colonels who have signed with Nickel State University's football team. We'll go through that in just a second. But for girls' basketball, Division One non-select, we've got Hanville and Destrahan, who are currently in the top 16, looking like they're going to be at home in the opening round. And Thibodeau is not going to be at home in the opening round, but they're now comfortably in thanks to their winning streak. They're sitting at number 23 right now, which if the playoffs started today, they'd be playing <coughs> Excuse me, Neville in the opening round. 
Uh, then we've got on the outside, South Lafouche not going to get in. They're, they're sitting at 30. I guess there's still a slight chance because there's not a huge gap between they and airline, but it's very, very slim to none that South Lafouche would get in. They're sitting at number 30 right now. Um, and, and I guess they're on the bubble, but that bubble is, is pretty close to burst. Lutcher is at number 17 in division two non-select. We saw Lutcher a couple nights ago. Um, they're going to get in. They're pretty comfortably in. And Assumption was on the bubble. They're on the outside. Assumption's not going to get in, sitting at number 31. Um, isn't it crazy that the Lady Tarpons are maybe in our tri- in our three-parish area, which is Lafouche, Terrebonne, Assumption, might be the second-best team in the area, besides for Vanderbilt. Look, you beat Thibodeau head-to-head. You beat E.D. White head-to-head. Might be the second-best team in a 12-school, three-parish area and won't even make the playoffs. That's... um. It's a shame. Yeah, it's it's, it's crazy. Um, but that's looking like but what it's going to be. They're supposedly one of the fifteen schools in the state that's going to be affected by all this nonsense, and the LHSA don't care. Yeah, about us down here. That's exactly right. Um, Division three non-select. You got St. James, who's eighteen and six. They're number nine right now. They're going to get in again. These are girls basketball power rating numbers. Berwick with an eighteen and nine record at twenty third. They're going to get in. Patterson currently the last team in, and this is why this pisses me off so much when we talk about South Lafouche. Patterson is four and seventeen, and they're going to get in. Four and seventeen. If South Lafouche played Patterson tomorrow, it would be running time. Um, but they're going to get in. Uh, Division two select Vanderbilt sitting at number two. Vanderbilt's going to be number two going into the postseason. They they can't jump Lafayette Christian. They can't fall behind Madison Prep. They're going to be number two. EDY trying to hold on to the number four spot, which, like we talked about with the Vanderbilt boys, that's big. That means you would be at home every game until the top 28 should you make it there. EDY clinging to that spot right now, sitting in a good spot. Division three select. Homa Christian School, they're in. They're the district champions. They don't have any drama, but they are playing for seeding. They're currently sitting at number 12 right now, so it looks like they'll be at home in the opening round. And if they are at home in the opening round, they'll be playing Country Day in the opening round if the numbers hold. Country Day, another team, 2-15, and 15, and they're 21 seed. But, but, but this is all fairness, right? This is all about what's best for the kids and making everything fair. 17-13, and 13, Dinata, 2-15, and 15, comfortably in. Give me a break. That, that, that's, that's a joke. Division 4, select. Central Catholic of Morgan City is 15-7. and seven. They're the sixth seed right now. Covenant Christian looking like they'll get a home game ticket number 14 right now with a 17-9 and record. So those are our local teams on the girls' side. Pretty sure that we know just about everybody that's going to make it in. Um, and we wish best of luck down the final stretch run of the season for all of those teams. Now, let's move to Nichols football because today is signing day. And look, signing day in February doesn't matter a whole lot anymore to the Power 5 schools, right? Uh, because... You know, they kind of lock up all their classes in the early signing period, though LSU did get a signed national letter of intent from Dominic McKinley, the number one player in the state, who was a Texas A&M commitment, but who's now an LSU signee, a big five-star defensive lineman. They did get him earlier. But signing day does matter for a lot of the smaller schools, like Nichols, who is going to introduce a 15-member recruiting class, actually in a press conference that started about 45 minutes ago. So Rebo's probably at the podium right now talking about this. Um, Preston Welsh, a quarterback from Turlings Catholic. He's good, bro. Uh, saw him beat E.D. White in the postseason. 
Uh, Nichols gets Preston Welsh into the class. Anthony Rogers, a defensive back from Laurel, Mississippi. Shane Lee, a running back from Destrehan. Paxton LaFont, wide receiver for E.D. White, big old target on the outside. Kelvin Gray, offensive lineman from East Ascension. Marcus Dawson, defensive back from University High. Jacob Carpenter, an offensive lineman from Evangel. Joseph Bradford, an offensive lineman from Mississippi Gulf Coast. Talon Bingham, big defensive lineman from Terrebonne High School. Enzo Marino, an offensive lineman from the Willow School. Kamer Hampton, a wide receiver from Oxford, Alabama. Lawrence Sullivan, a defensive back from Coastal Carolina, a transfer player. <clears throat> a kicker from Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College, Gabe Showalter, as part of Nichols' signing class. Uh, McKeel Brock, a running back from Pensacola, Florida. Noah Anya, a tight end from Lawrenceville, Georgia. Those are the signees that the Colonels have announced so far. There's a lot of local players, but they have stepped outside and got some Mississippi and some Florida and some Georgia. Um, big emphasis, at least on the surface, it looks like, at the offense and defensive lines for the Colonels. Got a lot of guys there. So all in all, looks like a pretty good class. I'm telling you, this Preston Welsh kid at quarterback's a good one. Um, we'll see how it shakes out for Coach Rebo and his staff. It looks like a good recruiting effort for Nichols today. Yeah, uh, look, Coach Rebo and his staff, they do a great job. And it starts recruiting our area. And uh, you can't argue the success they had. It's working for them. And uh, glad to see Nichols continuing that and continuing to build on what Coach Rebo has built over in Thibodeau. LSU fans were hoping that the Tigers could get five-star athlete Terry Bussey, who was a Texas A&M commitment and who had been wavering on that commitment over the last couple of weeks. He did sign with Texas A&M today, so Texas A&M apparently was the high bidder there. <laughs> and uh, they get uh, the five-star athlete Terry Bussey onto campus. Um, so signing day is is come and gone, or, or not come and gone, it's throughout the day today. It's, it's gonna about ready to wrap up the recruiting season. Um, you're telling me that you think Alabama's having a pretty good day, man? Are they getting some guys in the portal or some guys that had backed out or maybe coming on back home? Yeah, they had Ryan Williams signed with the Tide. Uh, he, I think he had kind of backed out and came back in. Uh, Noah Carter, number eight edge defender in the class, uh, has also signed with Alabama. And uh, look, from what <clears throat> with Saban leaving and everyone leaving Alabama, uh, Coach DeBoer still held held on to the number two recruiting class in in 2024. So uh, now that's just numbers doesn't mean a whole bunch right now, but when I think it's big for Alabama because they got some positive news. With all the negative, he he he, he got some positive news coming into the program, so I think that's big for the program right now. Yeah, it look, dude, that's going to be a super interesting year one. Usually when you're replacing a legend, it don't go very well. I think DeBoer's a pretty good coach, but he has no ties to the South at all. Um, that's going to be a very interesting year one to see how that goes um, out in Tuscaloosa for them. I think spring football will be big, but he is like an offensive guy, right? So can he maybe make Jalen Milrow into more of a pocket threat and maybe improve their passing attack? There's a lot of variables there, and I know that I'm going to be very interested to see if the tie could stay at that upper echelon or if they're going to take a few steps back or – I don't know, um, but we'll, it, we're going to find out pretty early, I think. Well, honestly, you would expect them to take a few notches down. I mean, come on. Uh, but will the Tide fan base 
can they live through a, a, a three-loss season? Because mm-hmm. that's very possible with the schedule that they have. First-year coach coming in, replacing a legend. Uh, that's going to be tough. But I think what's going to help is that if they can get in the top 12. Now, uh, it still may be a reach for them, but if they can and get in that playoff and maybe make some noise, who knows? It, they don't have a very challenging early season schedule, though their schedule is very difficult at the back end. Yeah, the SEC. Yeah, they, they started off okay. They start off with Western Kentucky, South Florida, and then at Wisconsin, then a bye week. So you should get to the Georgia game in your four, your fourth game okay. Um, but you're playing Georgia. You're playing at Tennessee. Missouri's going to be no cakewalk. They were really good last year. You're at LSU. You're at Oklahoma. The Iron Bowl is always a challenge. They could very easily lose three or four games against that schedule if, if things don't gel the way that they're supposed to. Yeah, no doubt. It, it, look, they're going to have to make a statement these early games. They're going to have to play well. can't be like uh, last year, Alabama stunk it up at the beginning, and they're going to have to play well to get some momentum. But uh, change gears just a little back to the NFL. Did you see – uh, the New Orleans Saints. Is they, it uh They got rid Curry? of your boy. Yeah, they got rid Ron of Curry. Curry yes. So. They have pretty much cleaned out their offensive room, and they're going to be trying to get some new guys in. It does look like Kubiak will be the offensive coordinator. Here's what I don't understand. And, and, you know, maybe I'm not looking at this right, but they obviously valued the guy's opinion because they interviewed him twice to be the offensive coordinator. So he brings something to the table get rid of him like you think they're just letting Kubiak hire his own staff like what, what? Uh, yeah I think that's what it is Kubiak's gonna come in you hire the guys that you want and and go from there and look I, th- I think it, it's a great move get rid of the Peyton clan that was there and and start over on offense and let's see where we where uh Kubiak can take that offense Dan Quinn did not retain Eric Bienemy in Washington um Bienemy was the big um, offensive coordinator with Mahomes and Andy Reid for years. Went to Washington this year. Didn't have a great year, but they don't have a quarterback, man. Um, so I'm going to ask you straight up. Bienemy is a Louisiana guy. He's a New Orleans guy. Would you have rather have him as your offensive coordinator going forward or Kubiak, which is who they ended up with? I think Bienemy. But why, why is this man constantly getting overlooked? There's something there. Apparently, and, he 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 must not interview well, bro, because he interviews for head coaching jobs every yes. year and never gets them. Um, he left Kansas City and went to Washington under the idea of, okay, if I have success there, they won't be able to just say it's all because of Mahomes and Reed. So he bet on himself. And, like, he didn't get fired from Washington. Dan Quinn just chose not to retain him on the staff. Don't know where he'll end up, but you're right. I, something don't add up. I mean, he's called plays for some of the best offenses we've seen, but yet he never could find a home to be a head coach, or now he's struggling to find a home to be a coordinator even. Yeah, I, I don't get it. And do they have many spots with coordinators are left? Not really. That's, yeah, that stuff's starting to fill up a little bit. Look, I, I would love to see him come with the Saints. Do you, do you he think may that not be a coordinator, but he can fit in on that offensive side of the ball for sure. They haven't officially hired Kubiak yet. They just that, say that they plan to. Like, yeah, I, 
plans change sometimes, right? Cody was supposed to not win the Royal Rumble, yeah. and he did. Uh, so sometimes plans change. Um, we'll be very interested to see if, if he can maybe um, find his way to the city at some point. Ah, my Cowboys are doing something today that's making me really nervous. Um, they are interviewing candidates to try to replace Dan Quinn as their defensive coordinator. And a lot of the guys that they've interviewed so far, I think, would would fit in pretty well. Ron Rivera was a good defensive coordinator. Maybe he could do a good job. Um, oh, who's the other? I'm forgetting. Oh, man. Um, they interviewed another former head coach who I think would do a really good job. But today they interviewed Rex Ryan. <laughs> um. I don't know, man. Okay, now Mike, Mike Zimmer. Up. Mike Zimmer's the guy. That oh I'm yeah, thinking. He, he would be a good one. Yeah, Mike. Yeah, I, I, that's the guy. I hope they get. He's a really good coordinator. Yeah, Mike Zimmer's the one. Okay, the one on TV is Rob Ryan. Rob Ryan's the one with the mullet and the beard that the Saints fired. Rex Ryan is the one that used to be the head coach of the Jets. So Rex Ryan would leave the broadcasting, and that—that's the one, correct? Yeah. Oh yeah. The. The one that's clean cut that used to coach Mark Sanchez with the Jets. Yes. Wow. I don't want him, dude. He's been at let, let me all right, let me see. Rex Ryan, Wikipedia. The last uh, time seven, eight years had to be out. He, he was he was the head coach of the Jets from two thousand nine to two thousand fourteen. Actually had some success, right? They won, made it to the AFC championship game, whatever. Got fired there at the end. Went and was the head coach of the Bills for two years, which I forgot about that. He was the head coach of the Bills for two years in 15 and 16. Hasn't coached since. He, before being a head coach, was the defensive coordinator of the Baltimore Ravens on some really good Raven defenses. Um, but that was in like 2005 to 2007. He's 61, so he's really not that no. old. Um but, dude, he hasn't coached in the NFL in seven or eight years. And, dude, just think how much the game has changed since, like, now everybody's throwing the ball every play. We got these RPOs, and it just feels like the game's passed him by a little bit. I don't want him as my defensive coordinator, man. Will he fit in well with Jerry Jones? He's loud and brash. and I don't think that's a good fit. I want Mike Zimmer desperately. I think that Mike Zimmer is a really good coordinator. Yes, he is. I think that he's got a lot of experience in Dallas because he was once a coordinator in Dallas. That would be my number one. Ron Rivera would be behind Zimmer, and Rex Ryan would be behind all of them. I don't think that that would be a good move at all. Man. And, and where is Vabro in all this mix? I don't think Vrabel's going to even coach this year. Like He's not really interviewing for anything. It looks like he's just kind of content to take a year off. And to his credit, he mentioned that right after. When he was let go, was like he plans to take a year off. Would you rather um, – okay, this year they had a bunch of jobs open up. I don't think very many of the jobs were, were really good jobs. Um, I think that he's in a situation almost like we saw with Dan Quinn where he he's not going to get back into it unless if it's something that he thinks is winnable, right? I don't think that a lot of these jobs in this offseason are going to be good for the coaches going forward because you don't have a quarterback. You don't have great leadership. You don't have a great salary cap situation. Vrabel, I think, is going to be patient and is going to wait for that opportunity to open up, and it might end up being the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys next year because – you know? well, I was going to say, maybe they're all waiting in line this year to take over the Saints next year. I don't think that that's the <laughs> case. Um, but, yeah, you never know. They do have a uh, a potential vacancy there next offseason as well. 
But Jerry, come on, man. Rex Ryan, bro, come on. Like, hire Mike Ditka. <laughs> like, yeah. Hire Jim Mora. Modern, modern yeah, I mean, if we're looking at guys who haven't coached in forever, yeah, I could say Jerry Glanville's a defensive coordinator <laughs> oh. at, a, at a JUCO somewhere. Like, come on, man. We, Lou Holtz. <laughs> yeah, we, we could do better than that if we're going to find some dinosaurs somewhere. But anyway, that wraps up today's show. We want to thank Coach Bertie Williams for the time. We want to thank Taylor for the time. Don't have anything today, like nothing. There's no high school basketball to speak of. They do have some home soccer matches in the area. If you are around the area and want to go support our young players who are competing for state championships on the soccer pitch, go do that. We're going to let you know the updates and the results tomorrow. Tomorrow we'll also have Mr. Stan Gravoff for our Terrebonne General Thursday, and we'll get to the mailbag. Thanks to everybody for listening. Have a wonderful rest of the day. Happy birthday again to Truck. Hope you have a wonderful day. God bless. We'll be back tomorrow. It's play-by-play. You're listening to KLEB, 1600 AM and K274 DE, 102.7 FM, Golden Meadow.